0: You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson.
1: Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 108. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm feeling. Okay. <laughs> Much better than it was a couple days ago. Um, for everyone who has listened, y'all know that I went through a, an ablation just on Monday and I'm still recovering. So it's two days since I had an eight hour procedure and uh, they fixed, they fixed the heart. So my ticker is running on rhythm and um, I'm back to relative normalcy. I'm able to walk around and I don't feel like a truck hit me. So yeah.
1: Good. Glad to hear it, Mitch. We were thinking about you on Monday and uh, we're glad that you're back at uh, well, close to a hundred percent anyway.
2: Yeah. I want to thank everyone who reached out. So obviously you, everyone else, you know who you are. You reached out to me personally. I really, I really appreciate it. So when I was sitting in the hospital bed, um, just sitting and had nothing to do with my time. I turned on my phone and I saw the messages and it was really, it touched my my now normal
1: heart. And I appreciate it. <laughs> it touched your now regular heart. That's,
2: that's fantastic. Uh, man, laughing still kind of hurts though. It feels like I, I described it to you. What I'm feeling right now in terms of like laughing and breathing deeply is put a pop can between like your lungs or your, right where your breastplate is and that's what it feels like the inside of me right now. Whenever I breathe deep, it feels like my lungs are pressing up against the can of pop Oof. oh <laughs> so how are you doing matt
1: um so while you were in bedridden i guess um yes. i was just non-stop working so that remember i think it was last week and on the patreon shows like i gave an update for every show, and it's like day three and i'm like out of it I, i'm just throw my hands up. I give up. I'm just not going to ever get to like well-rested or working normal hours this semester. So, uh, I've given up on my sanity pretty much. Oh no. It's it's the first week. It's the first week. Yeah. I think today was the fr- like seven straight days. So, uh, yeah.
2: Oh, well let's, let's get into some Islanders content. Maybe that'll make you feel a little bit better. Yes,
1: before we get into Islanders, uh, the Islanders stuff, I did want to say one thing, uh, Today is obviously the anniversary of something catastrophic that happened to the United States uh, 18 years ago today. And while we love what we do, talking about the New York Islanders, we realize that in a vacuum, it's not as impactful as some of the other things that are going on in this world. And I just feel like we couldn't let today go by with at least acknowledging what happened, you know, in 2001 on September 11th. So Obviously, you know, with there's a New York Islanders podcast. Many of the listeners are from New York. And obviously it was just, you know, it's crazy to me that it was 18 years ago already, but just had to, you know, bring that to attention. And, you know, thank you to all the first responders who were there 18 years ago. And, you know, thinking about all the people who unfortunately lost their lives that day.
2: Yeah, obviously I'm not from New York, but the day still impacted me quite significantly. I, I remember exactly where I was, when it happened, uh, when it happened, I remember everything about it. So it's definitely, it, it's not just a thank you to the first responders for doing what they did then, it's for doing what they do every day, right? Like that, they, they just did their jobs normally, wh- What whether it was the, the world trade or, or, or a house fire, same thing, they just go in and it's, it's incredible the job that they do and continue to do every day. And th- thanks to them, wherever you are, first responders, anywhere. Just absolutely amazing.
1: Right. So we just, I felt that we had to say a little something on it, but uh, now back to, the great escape that we like to call sports talk. So we're going to try and entertain you for the next hour or so talking some New York Islanders hockey. And we have a lot to get to today, Mitch, I think. Mm, but first we have to say the, what episode it is. Good call. What, what edition are we going with?
2: So it's, the, we are going again with Piper's suggestion. Uh, and, and Piper said that we should take a player from the whatever draft, whatever pod we're in. So it's 108. So the 08 draft, I'm looking at Jared Spurgeon. That's right. The Islanders drafted Jared Spurgeon in 2008. I'm not going to go into more detail on him because uh, we're going to get back to him later on in the, in the show, just before the social segment.
1: Um, Perfect. Yeah. Couldn't give me any Josh Bailey. <laughs>
2: no, <laughs> why would I do that? That's
1: easy. OK, well, there we go. It's going to be the Jared Spurgeon edition. Exactly. Perfect. Now on to the regular. Show. OK, on to the show. There was a little bit of a rumor this week, Mitch, and you know that we love to get in on these rumors, what they mean, and this time on the internet, uh, there's a rumor that the New York Islanders could be playing 75% of their home schedule at Nassau Coliseum versus the you know the original 50 50 split. First, just thoughts on the the rumor itself, and then we'll get into the impact that it would have if it was put through.
2: I don't I don't see why not. Like why why wouldn't they do this, right? It, it sells out every time. Uh, it's an incredible atmosphere, both on TV and in person, which is exactly what you want to do as a sports franchise, right? You want to build up the atmosphere because that's what sells the game is the atmosphere at the game. You can, you can have 20,000 people sitting there, but if they're not doing anything like at the Penguins game, well then forget it, right? Like that's not, you're not selling the sport. Um, so yeah, this is amazing. I would love for this to happen. Who knows if it does. And and if it does, it, it brings up a number of questions for me that we, we can get to a little bit later, but yeah, this, this sounds great, right?
1: Yeah. I don't see, I don't see why not. You know, at, at, at this point, the Islanders are set to play again, a 50, 50 split. And who knows what the situation would be if they made the playoffs again. I think that's going to be, you know, a topic of conversation, whether, they could handle playing at Nassau Coliseum again and even if you know beyond the first round they could continue to play at the Coliseum that's got to be a big storyline for it but i mean it just makes sense because nobody the players don't want to go to the Barclays Center the Barclays Center doesn't want the Islanders anymore now that Belmont is you know officially you know underway and that they're, they're moving stuff around Oh, maybe would, not. Maybe not for long. We'll go. We, again, we will talk about that later <laughs> on in another tease. But it seems like you should, at this point, be okay with going back to it. Just do it of 100% for the next two years and then go to uh, Belmont.
2: Yeah, I wonder what that means. Like, what, what the ownership of the Barclay Center means for this. Right? Because it's no longer Michael Prokhorov. Right? It's, uh, I want to say Jeremy Tan. I forget what his name is. The guy who who like co-founded um, what? Oh God, now I'm going to blank on everything about him. <laughs> and he's a super rich Chinese guy um, who now owns the Brooklyn Nets, who owns Barclay Center, uh, or at least is a majority holder in all of those. <clears throat> and I wonder what his new grasp on ownership of those two commodities, the Brooklyn Nets and the Barclay Center, means for the Islanders. Like the Bar- the, the Brooklyn Nets are going through a complete overhaul of their... Like identity right we didn't bring it in Kyrie Irving and um uh, god why Kevin, I can't Durant. Remember. Kevin Durant right like that's huge that that changes everything about that team and where they see themselves on the New York landscape are they going to want to see themselves on the same pegging as we have to have a co-tenant in our building a co-tenant that we don't think could even draw
1: yeah I mean that's a pretty valid point no like did i do they have that same connection with the Islanders? Probably not. And I think that they're, they're really trying, they see that, that the Knicks are failing. The Knicks have been failing
2: for a long, long time. Right. Uh, but they see it as, as the market can now be taken. Uh, and, and if they're going to do that, they can't be seen as like the Brooklyn Nets and their little brothers, the New York Islanders. I'm not saying the New York Islanders are our little brothers, the Brooklyn Nets. I'm just saying that's how they're going to see it. Right. Uh, and so that's, mm-hmm. that's not good for the Islanders either in terms of, playing at the Barclays Center because they're clearly not going to be catered to, or they're going to be catered to even less than what they are now, um, which is ridiculous. So the, the, the split seems to make sense, but I wonder how much new ownership of the Barclays Center and the Brooklyn Nets has to do with this.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point. And something that I saw online too, which was a part of the room in that thread, was apparently, I don't know if it's true because I'm not a season ticket holder, but he said that he didn't have access to his tickets yet which was weird because it was like at that point like 10 games out or 10 days out from their first preseason game so wouldn't that kind of make you think that something's up when that they don't want to release the tickets yet if they aren't sure where the games are being played just yet absolutely right like you'd have to
2: think that we don't want to tell you where it is because we don't necessarily know where it's going to be yet we know where it is right now but that might change Uh, And and like they've changed games before, right? Like during the year, they changed Mm -hmm. the Tavares game, right? That was supposed to be at the Barclays Center and they changed that during the year. That's right. Um, But that's one game. We're talking about 25% of their home schedule. That's a lot.
1: Yeah. And at that point, you know, it's a lot of games. So if they did make that switch, they'd be playing 30, 31 games at the Nassau Coliseum. Instead of twenty one and twenty, like yeah, I would rather play as many games possible at the Coliseum than have to worry about you know playing at at the Barclays Center, and especially because yes, we know the the bad sight lines, the scoreboard off center, all that stuff. But on top of that, like the players themselves have said, like not just one, like multiple people have said that they don't like the commute to the Barclays Center. It's been complained about for three years when they've been there the whole time. And if they are more comfortable, wouldn't you think that they'd play better?
2: Yeah, of course. I I don't like the whole commute argument because everyone has to commute, right? Like we'd obviously like to, I think the only reason that the commute argument even exists is because they had that smaller commute, right? Like, I I just don't like the idea like, well, well, we want to play where we want to play. Like, all right, but you got to play where you have to play, right? I just, anyways, maybe I'm just nitpicking here and that's not the right, tone to be taking necessarily, but um, it doesn't make any sense to go back to the Barclays ultimately because they they don't want them. The Barclays doesn't want them. They said said that explicitly the Islanders, like you said, the players don't want to go there. The fan base doesn't want them there, want to go there. So like, why, why go? It doesn't, why not just play a hundred percent of the games At the Nassau Coliseum, if you're willing to play 75% of the games, what are we talking about here in terms of 15, like another 25%, 15 games, like you said, 10 games, like seriously, that we're going to hold this over 10 games like, Oh no, we still have to. What? Why?
1: Yeah. At that point, if you're going to go more than 50%, you might as well just go all in on the Coliseum. That's my feeling anyway.
2: That I agree. And I think the only reason that they don't, and maybe this is me just doing, um, devil's advocate on the spot and po- poking holes in my own argument is, okay, well, maybe there's something in, in, the, in the contract, right? Like the only reason they, they went to the, the Nassau Coliseum beforehand is because there was a clause in their contract that they had to go and play at least, was it four regular season games at the Nassau Coliseum or else they had to pay the county of Nassau like a couple million dollars or something like that.
1: It was something along those lines. was a certain number of games they had to hit. I it might've been six for some reason that's standing out to me. I feel yeah, like
2: probably. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the exact number. It wasn't a huge number, but it was something. And so they started with the, the preseason games, obviously that doesn't count because it's not a regular season game. And then they started rolling it in. And then it's just like, it just, once you're there, it just makes sense. It's their home. It's their home until you build them an actual home. You, it's NASA Coliseum. You, you can't be anything else. Yeah. It's just, unfortunately, like, they're still stuck with the Barclays Center. And I think it's because of contractual obligations, because of that ironclad 25-year deal or 15-year deal. Was it whatever think, it was? Yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure it's fifteen. 15. Uh, not that that's going to really matter in a couple of years. But uh, nonetheless, uh, one other thing that I wanted to get to uh, with this topic is the playoff situation. Mm-hmm. So if they do make the playoffs, what the— What what do they do now? Is it the same situation, or are they going to be able to play more at Nassau beyond the first round?
2: So the NHL does not recognize the Nassau Coliseum as an NHL venue, right? So it would be odd for them to be like, next year, Gary Bemis show up, like, they could play all the series at the Nassau Coliseum. It'll be great. About face, all of a sudden, it's great, Gary. It's great. We love it, but... Where? Why weren't you used like that last year? We could have used that last year. Could you imagine the bump that the Islanders would have got from home games at the Nassau
1: Coliseum? Yeah, I would think it would make a difference. I absolutely would. And the weird part was last year. I know they did the schedule a little bit differently this go around, but last year, their last regular season game at the Barclays Center was in like February, right? Yeah. So they With, went, and, and even then, there was a long gap between that because they started playing at the Coliseum in December. That's right. So they were, you know, by the time the playoffs rolled around, they only were at the Barclays Center like three times in 2019. It (laughs) felt like anyway. So it seemed crazy that they were going back there. But at this point, I think that the best case scenario for the Islanders would be to play as many games possible, whether it's 75 or if they allow you to do 100, you might as well do the 100 percent at the Coliseum and try and squeeze as many playoff games as you can out of it, too.
2: Yeah, I, I just don't think the NHL is going to go there with the with the well. First off, the hundred percent, I'm sure there's a contract obligation to play some games with the Barclays to get like their twenty five million dollars or whatever they're paying them every year. Um, and I don't, I just don't see the NHL going back on there. They can play all their games at, at at the Nassau Coliseum for the playoffs. It it would be ridiculous if they can play all of their regular season games there, or even most of them. And not the playoffs. What's the difference? Oh, they play two back, they play back to backs at home. Okay. Well, they do that during the regular season. Like, what's the difference? Oh, they'll play a game every other night there. Okay. Well, they still do that in the regular season. What's the difference between that and the playoffs? There's no difference except for the fact that you have at the Barclays Center, you have more luxury boxes, right? You have more of everything. So you can, you can extract more wealth out of games at the Barclays Center than you can at the Coliseum.
1: True. That is the one thing that I think they can hold over Nassau's head as well. We can make more money in Brooklyn and maybe we'll just appease the fans by having one series there kind of thing.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure they'll do the same thing this year and just fall back on the it's not an NHL venue thing, even though they'll play the majority of their home games there.
1: That drives me crazy because if it's like if you're good, if it's good enough to play in the regular season, why can't you do it in the play? That's just I'll never understand that logic.
2: Even 50%, even 50%. It still doesn't. If you're willing to play any games there, it's an NHL venue. Well, maybe not any. If you're willing to play a significant portion of your home uh games there, that doesn't make sense to say it's not an NHL venue, because you're now playing 20 some odd home games there. That's that's a considerable amount. That's probably as much as you play in the playoffs, right? Between 16, 24 games, probably.
1: Yeah, if you it keep going in the playoffs.
2: Exactly. So Come on! Does it make any sense?
1: No. So I think we can both say that we're on the same page there—that we want them to play more at the Coliseum, just not 100% sold on the NHL and Gary Bettman allowing it.
2: No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not
1: sold on Gary Bettman. <laughs> All right, Mitch. Training camp officially kicks off for the veterans tomorrow. So that Boy, is some yes. big time stuff. What are some of the biggest storylines for you heading into camp? And uh, we're going to take a look at the lineup from tonight too. But let's start with storylines.
2: Oh man, I just the competition. Like we said it before, and I'll say it again. Obviously, it's just the competition. I love the idea of having your your roster is not set when you get to training camp. There's just there's so much to watch. There's so much, so many battles that are happening between players for positions. I love it. I because you you don't know exactly how it's going to work out. You know the fourth line is going to be Clutterbuck, Sezikis, Martin. We know that for a fact. Um, but we do, do we know exactly how that first line is going to end up? Is it Bo in the top? Is it someone else? Uh, who's, who's on the second line? What's the third line going to look like? What's the defense going to look like? like there, there's so many uh, storylines and, and spots up for debate that that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. man. And again, I've said it before, but man, that is so compelling to watch and to follow.
1: Yeah, the storylines are definitely something to look forward to this uh, this training camp. And the competition for me I is going to be incredible with that forward group on the third line and who gets to play with Barzell. I'll flip it around, even though I am excited about that. I will also <laughs> say that I really am curious to see what they decide to do with Noah Dobson. Because if he shows that he is good enough to play at the NHL level— then you have a complete log jam at the defense of uh, the defensive position. So at that point, then what do you do?
2: that that's when trades have to happen, right? Like guys, like uh, Thomas Tiggy have to be shipped out. Maybe uh, like Scott Mayfield, we've talked about it before because he's got that attractive cap hit and he plays on the right side. Uh, And it might even be Nick Letty because he's really going to get you the most for for one player.
1: Yeah, I mean, he probably would. The only issue with moving someone like Nick Letty is he opens up a spot on the left side and you still have a million right-handed shooting defensemen.
2: That's just it, right? Because then you still have your Ryan Pulak, Scott Mayfield, Johnny Boychuk, and now Noah Dobson. That's a lot. That that's four right shooters, and uh, you you can dress seven and just drop one and just put Letty on the bench or uh, in the stands. But, or sorry, not Letty, Boychuk in the stands,
1: but still. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't know if the Islanders would do that to Johnny Boychuk. I just with how much they rely on their veterans, I just I don't know how they put him on the scratch bed with his six million dollar cap hit.
2: That that was what my what my mm, was supposed to int- intimate because you're right. I don't I I just can't see the Islanders scratching a veteran with a six million dollar cap hit. It just it's not in their DNA. It just is not
1: No. So as much as we might potentially like the idea of doing that in order to get No Dobson in the lineup, the reality of that happening probably isn't all that high. So if he is to make the team, I agree. Look for someone like Thomas Hickey or maybe maybe it will be Scott Mayfield who gets moved but I, they're going to have to do something
2: yeah they they've got to move something if if they're willing to play and we have a lot of time to figure that out i don't think they're going to come to a decision till god knows when just like the end of camp right like they're going to they're going yeah. to give him every opportunity they're already playing him now right they're, they're playing tonight and he was the first the first right-handed defenseman out there for them uh they're going to give him any and all opportunity to – to prove to them that he's willing, that he's able to play and then they'll make their decision on who needs to go. I'm sure they have it written down somewhere. Like if he's able to go, this is what we
1: do. Yeah. You got to think that they have a plan in place now.
2: Yeah, I would think so. I would, I would hope so if they didn't, I'd be really disappointed. in them.
1: So you mentioned the lines for tonight. Do you have those on hand? Can we go through them?
2: Yeah. So line one is Newkirk, Yost and Wallstrom. So there's a forward line, obviously. Uh, Next is Bellows, McLean, Newman, I love Newman. Oh, man. He's such an attractive prospect. Hello, uh, Newman. Hello, Newman. Uh, third line is Jando Jenkins and Kosky. Line four, Brown, Koivala Um okay. Yeah, I can see your questions there. Uh, first line for the defense is Murray Dobson, McKinnon, Quenville, Hutton, Bulzik, and then Soderstrom got the start and Scark was the backup.
1: Okay. Uh, supposedly... Otto, we're doing this in real time. Otto Koivala has two points as this game, I think, just went into overtime. Um, so I'm kind of surprised that he is a fourth line center, though.
2: So I think that they gave him fourth line because they know what they're looking for from him. And I think they're giving or how do I say this? They already know what the, what, the, what he's going to give them. Right. They want to find out more from Jost and McLean and Jenkins.
1: OK, so they want more. I would imagine. Right, so they kind of already know what he is and they want to see what the other three can do so they get more ice time is essentially the logic.
2: I think so, right? Like, I I would look to see those guys as the first cut. And look, he was a fourth-line center and he's already got two points, so
1: like... (laughs) I listen, and if he is to make it to the next level, he's probably in a bottom six role, you would think, right? Barzal and Nelson aren't going anywhere on this team. Easily, easily.
2: Yeah. And he, he could still play wing, right? Like he may, he probably won't play center at the NHL level. I I really even if you he makes a so? team, I'd be surprised if he plays center, but he's a winger. That's his natural position. So
1: Yeah, you could probably do either or. I'm not really all that concerned whether he plays, you know, down the middle or on the left, or on the right. I do like his talent though, and I, I think he could be a really nice addition to the Islanders third line at some point in the next couple of years here. Uh so I that one was curious. Dobson getting a ton of ice time Uh, to me. That's probably just seeing if that they could rely on him in big spots. No.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like again, they're giving him any and all opportunities. So they're, they're putting him out there as like the captain of defense. Like look at the names on that, on that blue line. Like there wasn't anyone of quality aside from Dobson. Uh, No offense to like the Quenvilles and the McKinnons of the world, but like Mm. none of them are projected to make the NHL. Noah Dobson is this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason he's in there is because he's 19 and they're trying to give him as much time as possible to prove it to them. They're they're letting him make the case for them. Uh he's just got to do it. So we'll see how that works out today.
1: Yeah, uh, and I know that it was only against other rookies, so I'm kind of curious to see what happens when they start playing uh in the preseason because it's a little bit more mixed at yeah. some you know, you get some of the veterans mixed in sometimes in the the rosters look a little bit different. So I'm curious to see what happens throughout the month of September, but that's gotta be to me, one of the biggest things, both like Coivola and Dobson watching them this uh, training camp.
2: Yeah. I'm really excited to see what some of the rooks can do. Obviously like the, some of the big time rooks or prospects or whatever you want to call them. Aren't there like the Hosangs and the Dal Coles, but like the, they're going to come in later over during the regular camp. Like that starts
1: tomorrow. Yeah. They'll be around.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> um, I can't wait to see how many uh, alarm clock gifts for Joshua Sang show up.
1: Oh, boy. There is one more uh, storyline from training camp that I want to talk about already because it is kind of concerning. Uh, so, Simon Holmstrom got hurt. <laughs> and yeah. I know that he just took, he blocked a shot and that's how he got hurt. So, it's kind of a freak thing. But the amount of time, like, can we list off the injuries that he's had in the last year or so? So, he had hip surgery. Before last year, he had a concussion and a broken thumb. And now he has a lower body injury. So that's four things in the last year. Could that be just awful luck? I guess. But if that doesn't draw some kind of a red flag, I mean, like there's a reason why so many teams were passing on him in the first round, though. Exactly.
2: Uh, uh, PS, the Islanders won their game in the shootout 5-4. Uh, in Allentown, so hey, there you go. What is it, Allentown, Lehigh Valley, wherever they're playing, Allentown. There it is. Anyways, um, yes, it is. Uh, it's still concerning because, like we said in in the the patron podcast, uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do, uh, patron. dot slash eyes on Isles. What's up? Um, the thing with him is going into the draft, the narrative once the Islanders took him was like, this is. This is an, uh, an injury plague player because of that, that litany of injuries you just discussed. Uh, the Islanders are picking up a guy who, frankly, is bereft with injury. Just everything wrong has gone wrong with him. And they still took him in the first round when they didn't necessarily need to. They probably could have waited and probably could have got him in the second round and could have got, could have got a guy like uh, was it Nick Suzuki. Or is yes. it Ryan's uh, Nick,
1: right? Uh, no, no, no. I don't remember. It's definitely Suzuki, but I don't know one of the last two.
2: I think it might be Ryan. I think Nick was the older brother, the one that plays in Montreal now, or for Montreal after the, uh, to the trade for uh, Max Pacioretty. Anyways. Um, so, or is it tom's St- Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was Tom Um With Holmstrom, they could have waited. They didn't because he was... They thought that there was talent there, and there is, right? Like, we've seen him put, like, 20 points in 21 games playing at the U20 level. He's never played at the senior level. And all we knew from him is that he's got a lot of injuries and missed a lot of times through injury. And then before day one, before day one of, of rookie camp, he's injured because he blocked the shot. And you're like, that just reaffirms the narrative right there.
1: Yeah, and... Also, like he didn't really stand out at prospect camp back in June. So that's right. I think that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth anyway about the pick because I didn't love the logic at first. I thought it was a reach and then he didn't really do all that much for me at prospect camp. And now with the injury on top of it, you're kind of digging yourself a little bit of a bigger hole. Now, that's not to say that he could, you know, he's going to be a bust or anything like that, but he could very well turn out to be a phenomenal NHL player. I just, I didn't love the logic then. It doesn't seem to be at the moment like it's working. I mean, again, that could all change, but it kind of, I don't know. It was a risky pick, and you're seeing why right now. Exactly, because he's
2: not there. Uh, He he could come back any day now, but we heard that he was day-to-day on the 8th, right? We're now the 11th and he still hasn't shown up. He wasn't, he didn't suit up for this game. I, I maybe he suits up for one. They see him in action for, for one game. Um, but once they start making the first round of cuts, I would imagine he, he's, he's on, on the boat back to HV 71. Yeah. I tend to think so. Like I was really high on this kid when they, not when they drafted him, but shortly afterwards thinking this kid could probably play at the end of the AHL level next year. Right, and then we have a super talented AHL team, and that's why they're so quick to sign him to a three-year ELC. Right, uh, with, with with no performance bonuses, mind you, but you know they still signed him. Uh, but the more the more we go, and the less I see of him, the, the more I'm resigned to him just going back to Sweden, which is not a terrible thing. He's going to go and play for the senior Swedish team, the HV71 side that won the Lamat Trophy just a couple of years ago. Um, his, his dad's an, uh, an assistant coach there. Like they've groomed this kid throughout his his career. I'm sure they'd like to see him play at the the more senior level. So I, I think it's just in best interest for both parties. And like his ELC will slide, right? So like it, it'll just even reduce the cap hit next year if he comes back.
1: Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, it's not a huge deal if he goes back there. I listen. I all I want is for him to get healthy and play mm. a full season this year.
2: Yes. Being healthy is this number one. If you can play a full season, that would be amazing.
1: The talent is there. Now it's, you know, be healthy and develop.
2: Yes, absolutely. 100%.
1: Fair enough. So let's get going with the Metropolitan Division. So the last week or so, Mitch, a lot of people have been coming out with their power rankings or division previews. And I saw two in particular, and in both of those ratings, the New York Islanders were projected to finish sixth. Is that fair? Is that too high? Is it too low? Your thoughts?
2: I think that's too low. Like, do, I I understand that regression is a thing, and regression and and like the Islanders are the prime regression candidate from last year. But do we think they're just going to fall off a cliff? I, I know six isn't like dead in the in the division, but six behind who? I would imagine the. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and what the Philadelphia Flyers, maybe. Oh, like who else is behind the Islanders? Or sorry, the Rangers. I forgot how terrible the Rangers are supposed to be.
1: Uh, in one of them was the Rangers and the Devils that were behind the Islanders.
2: The Devils? Yeah. All right. Okay. Fine. That's still, Columbus. Like, look at Columbus's Columbus team. Columbus
1: was fifth in the one that I saw. In both, I saw. Oh, <laughs> well, they don't even have a first line center. I don't know. I don't like that roster at all. I don't think they're going to be very good. Obviously, we're not on the same page with those two guys who no. uh, had those projections.
2: They don't have a starting goalie. They they have good defense. It's good, not great, but good. They have some good players on, on, on their roster, of course, like Cam Atkinson, uh, Josh Anderson are good players. But when Pialik was your first-line center, you know, maybe he turns it around and is that that top-line player, but I don't think so. He has not shown it yet.
1: No, he's an okay depth player, but he's not someone you want on your top line as your, you know, go to piece.
2: It may be a, a good second line center, but anyways, that that's just to me. It, it's more about looking at the options outside of the Islanders because we have to remember the Islanders just put up 103 points last year, not for nothing. Like this team is still the same. Yes, they lost Robin Leonard, but to to like fall off a cliff, I to to finish sixth in the division, you're. Not even in a wild card position, obviously. Um so you're what finishing with some like eighty-five points? Do we really think they're gonna drop eighteen points from last year?
1: That's the thing. Like in these models, they were at like seventy eight and eighty one, yeah. like somewhere in that range. I think that is far, far too low. I think they're gonna regress. I think they had they had one oh three last year, right? Yes. Like you're probably, if I had to put a number on it somewhere in the high 90s in points, which should be around third or fourth in the division, I think that's probably pretty fair.
2: Yeah, well, exactly. And then that, that's assuming like that they're they're regressing. Who says they don't get better? It's possible. It's entirely possible. And that's just me being very posi- uh, positive.
1: Well, th- I mean, think about it. They have put up 103 points with Matt Barzell having a down year, and there's Lee and Jordan Eberle and Anthony Beauvillier too.
2: They, they did that with no offense to speak of. Well, maybe not no offense, but they finished, was it 22nd or 23rd? I, I forget because the numbers of goals four and their ranking was pretty close. I think it was they finished 22nd in the league in terms of goals four with 223 goals four, which is nothing, right? 22nd, the, the, most of the league had more offense than the Islanders did last year. If they even have a smidge more offense, which they could absolutely do, like, does there? They have a better. They're gonna have a better chance. And even if they have like a smidge of the, of the defense that they had last year, yes, they will regress defensively. But by that much, I don't think so. I really don't. Like the structure is still there. Right. If they can generate more offense.
1: Look out. If someone is kidnapping Barry Trotz and like we're stuck with Doug Wade again behind the bench, then yeah, <laughs> sure. Then maybe I you, you can sell me on that. But if Barry Trotz is still. Alive and well and behind the bench for the New York Islanders, I don't see them dropping 20 points. I don't see them being like a bottom of the barrel team, a lottery team. Again, like I said, I think they could finish third or fourth in division, maybe be a wild card team, but anything below that, I think you're just being naive to what this team really is.
2: So, if we want to play devil's advocate, then so sure. we, we we've made our intentions clear and where and where we stand. We we think that they're maybe not going to be better, but they're going to be okay. They might be a little worse, but not significantly worse. But let's try to indulge ourselves in, in, in the worst case scenario just to see where these people are coming from. Okay, because obviously most of it is, is based off of models and, and 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 statistics, and and the reason that they have that the Islanders is finished at that low is because well, there's a lot of risk on this roster because we still don't know. Who's the top like uh, what your second line right wing? We don't necessarily know who that is, and their top six is pretty poor. Like we we have to think that Anthony Beauvais is going to turn it around and be something he hasn't been for three years. You hope. Well, that and that's the thing, right? That's what we're hoping for. But you know, when you build models and projections, you have to go with what what they've done. You can't necessarily project very well. Um, and he has he does not project well, and he does not he has not done much. Uh, And then you have guys like Michael Del Cole and Joshua Sang that are coming in. They're also going to have big roles to fill, but haven't done much at the NHL. Yes, Joshua Sang is 0.47 points per game player. All right, fine. That still isn't huge, and that's still not going to change the tide for the Islanders necessarily. No. And then you got a guy on your third line who's probably going to be your third-line center and Derek Broussard, who was not good last year.
1: Yeah, he really wasn't. If you're expecting him to be... Val Fopula again, like, I don't know. I think Filipula was better last year than people realize. And I, if you think that that's going to happen again with Brassard, I, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be true. I
2: So so uh, this, this whole thing was, was devil's advocate, right? And trying to look at what the negatives yeah. can be. So I don't necessarily believe that Derek Broussard can be bad. And even if he has, look, he put up 14 goals last year and he had a terrible year. Val Filippula had 17 goals last year. Do we, do we think that he can make up three goals? Probably.
1: Yeah, maybe Probably. He
2: could. And, and he's usually pretty good at, on the power play. And that's going to change too for the Islanders. I, ideally for the positive, it'd be hard for them to regress from a 40.5% efficiency.
1: Is it bad that we devils advocated our devils advocate back to positive?
2: Yes. <laughs> we, we, we always want to go back to the positive. So no one, no one, and I don't imagine anyone listening will, no one can ever come to us and be like, you guys are a bunch of negative Nancys.
1: No, you know, I'm positive, Pamela's buddy. I feel like we try to talk about both sides.
2: We try because that's more entertaining than just being like, "I love them" or "I hate them." It's it's never it's never fun to just always take the one side. But I, I think it's important when when we look at these models to like see where they're coming from in terms of their justifications. Going, there is a lot of risk in this Islanders lineup. We just mentioned that the guys on the forward line, and there's still the back end, right? Like, yes, Devin Tays, Ryan Pulock, going to be great. Adam Pellick should be fine. Scott Mayfield should be okay. What about Nick Letty? Is he still going to be this bad, like offensively? Mm. And then there's Johnny Boychuk, who's going to be what 36 in January?
1: Yeah, he's getting up there.
2: So like, he's he's fine, but when you look at his wins against uh, above replacement, he's a negative. Yeah, a negative. Well, that means that you can bring in anyone from the AHL, whatever. Take your pick. David Quenfield. done. Put him in. Johnny Boychuk gets you negative wins above uh, above replacement. Apparently.
1: Yeah, I I don't love that stat. I
2: get it. It's it's yeah, cuz obviously like David Quenville stepping in isn't going to do a better job than than Johnny Boychuk.
1: Yeah, that's um, I understand what the point of it is and yes, I get the logic behind it. I just don't take it as like the bible that says all be all, you know what I mean? But Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, all I want to say is you're right. You should never take any stat to be the be all end all. It shouldn't be like Matthew Barzell has a negative fifteen Corsi or whatever. He's garbage. No, there's more to it than just that. There, but these numbers do say something. And and the, the number is like, it's not to say that David Quenville could do a better job than Johnny Boychuk. It's to say that Johnny Boychuk isn't necessarily doing a good job.
1: Yes, and that I could that I could get behind is him regressing at his later years, you know, but he's not the same player that he was when he first came here at 30 years old.
2: No, exactly. So which is fine. He 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 earned the money he deserved. Or sorry, he earned the money he was paid. Uh and we are where we are with him. It's just when you got a guy like Noah Dobson coming in, you're going, All right, maybe it's time for the future buds.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So we're gonna have to uh see with that, but I tend to agree with you. Six is too low. I say worst case worst case scenario, you are a wild card spot.
2: Yeah, I could see them being fifth in the division and still being like a second team wild card, obviously. Um, but yeah, between third and fifth in the division is what I see them. I know that's a big gap, like that's three spots of an eight team uh, division. But you know, if you, you you cut it down the middle, and I, I see them right in the middle. at yeah. fourth.
1: Yeah, I think that's fine. I think that's probably pretty fair.
2: So, yeah, I think that's fine for them. And that, that's not, that's still a regression with all the considerable risks that they took on with, with the younger players that they're bringing in. That, that's a win. That's a win for the Islanders. who are just going to keep bringing in more young, talented players year after year.
1: You would certainly hope so.
2: I Yeah, yeah it's true. I would hope so.
1: Because you still have Leo Komarov, Andrew Ladd locked <laughs> up for the next attorney. So unless these guys are retiring to free up spots, it uh, might be tough.
2: Yes, that's true.
1: Want to get into our trivia segment? I want to learn more about our 2008 draft class.
2: Yeah, sorry. I was just yawning a little bit there. I was pan flute player. Um, just, oh, I need to go to sleep. Um, <clears throat> so 2008 draft, we picked Jared Spurgeon. So I have three questions for you. You have to get them right to do nothing. If you get them wrong, nothing happens either. You don't get your Islanders fan card revoked. This is just for fun. Uh, it's for, let's see what you get. Okay, so... When did the Islanders draft Jared Spurgeon? And by when I mean, what round did they draft him in? Fifth. Sixth round. Uh, He's okay. taken 156th overall, which is ridiculous when you think about him now, right? He's a, uh, um, what? A wow, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm losing my words here. He's an uh, uh, established, there we go. Established NHL player uh, on, on the blue line. Um, so, we know he's not with the Islanders anymore. He's with the Minnesota Wild. How did he get with the Get to the Minnesota Wild? So, like, did we trade him? Did we do something else? What happened? Do you remember?
1: Uh, I don't, but I'm going to guess.
2: Yes, good.
1: Did it have anything to do with the Cal clutterbuck nino nino Rider trade?
2: Good guess, but no. They okay. just never signed him. Really? Yeah. <laughs> He was unsigned. The uh, The Wild brought him into training camp. They liked what he did, and then they eventually signed him, and uh, well, here we are. Uh, and last one for you is what's his most productive year? So what year did he put up the most points in the NHL, and how many points was that?
1: <clears throat> he had a pretty good year this year, right? He did. Um, I'll go with this year as You're his right. most productive. And points I was... I think it was like 40, right? Oh, so close. 43. Okay. 43
2: point defenseman. You know, he's he's floated around the 15 to 30, but over the last three years, 38, 37, 43. Uh, and he's he's only 29 years old. Uh, he'll be 30 in, in November, but still. But he's five nine, 167 pounds. He's not a big guy. That's why he was drafted so late. Because he put up in his draft year 43 points on the blue line. He put up another 45 in 08-09. He put up another 51 in 09-10. So two years after he was drafted, he was still putting up points. Uh, And the Islanders just never signed him.
1: Strange. I don't get that one. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Islanders. Want to get into uh, some social stuff? I do.
2: Um, do you want to go first? I think you have two things, and I only have the one.
1: Okay, so first, let's start by talking about Barry Trotz. He had an all-time quote the other day, and I want to get it 100% correct. So I'm going to pull up the exact quote for you in a second. But I wrote something called "Barry Trotz doesn't care about your opinion," and I know that's a kind of clickbaity. But I, he basically doesn't care about your opinion anyway. So this is. Barry Trotz's words when asked about the dater, the I combined haters and doubters into (laughs) daters. So that's a new thing, I guess. So here, here we go. You know what? They said that last year and we did. Okay. This is Barry Trotz talking. I'm not too worried. The one thing you learn is that everybody's an expert when they're not in the fight. Everybody has an opinion and they're not really worth anything. They're just opinions. It's like me having an opinion on Wall Street. I don't have any expertise there. The amount of shade from Mister Trotz is incredible from this one.
2: Nice, I love it. I love it. He's and he's right. Like, he, who knows when you, uh, unless you're there, it's an opinion. He's not saying you can't have an opinion. You should not say it. He's just saying I don't care what your opinion is because it doesn't matter to me. I will do what I need to do. You don't believe in me? All right. Well, I'll, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do my best to prove you wrong.
1: Yeah, and he's usually pretty good at that. I mean, he's made the playoffs 12 <laughs> out of the last 15 years.
2: He has. He won the cup just 2 years ago. He made the playoffs and won around with a team who was had no business uh ever getting close to the playoffs apparently. So, this is true. There is that.
1: Uh I did have one more um, quick one for you before and then uh you can take over if you want. Sure. So, uh Mason Jopes is yeah. wearing number 66. Ooh. So why is he allowed to wear? And Joshua saying isn't, huh?
2: Huh? Do you want to get into racism?
1: Oh no!
2: Right, like what's the difference aside from he's a white guy? I don't. Know. Sorry, are you talking about like Pens, penguins fans? Or are we talking about Joshua's like within the organization right now? Because the reason Joshua saying isn't allowed to wear number sixty six within the organization is because well they don't do that. Just uh, Lou Lambert does not allow its players to wear anything above five or whatever his, his rule is for numbers. But in, in terms of in the NHL, yeah, there's, there's no, people that don't know who Mason Yost is. They don't care. Uh, and he's not a loudmouth. I guess. I okay. suppose. I don't I, really have a good answer for you there. Aside from like, we get into some, some dark things that I don't really want to get into.
1: Yeah, but I I was kind of I didn't have an answer. I was kind of uh, what's the word when you when you ask the question you're not expecting the answer. Uh, rhetorical? Rhetorical? Question? Yeah, rhetorical question. It's kind of just yeah. Throw it out there, think about it, chew on it. So he's. It's he's not very- fair
2: that no. you know penguins fans aren't up in arms right now. Let let's just let's just look at Twitter right now. Let me type in Yoast and see what comes up. I don't see a single penguins fan. Wait, let me look at latest and not top. Uh, latest, I don't see a single Penguins fan talking about him wearing number 66. Maybe because it's only uh, preseason and they don't care. But still, still, you'd think that they'd say something because they did not like him when Joshua Sang decided to wear 66.
1: Yeah, they certainly did not like it at all
2: a number should be retired league wide. Like I'm a huge Mario fan. I love him. He was my favorite player uh, when I was a kid, but like, no, he, he just, no, just not. He didn't, he did not have, unfortunately the same impact that Wayne Gretzky did. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, it's different. It's very different.
2: So um, the one that I have is, is from today. Cause I've been out of commission for a couple of days. So I, I, Tried to find something, and this is from Andrew Gross, who says got this info from Isles, who got it from the Flyers. Phantoms TV, so the service electric, whatever that means, is broadcasting tonight's game, and it will be available at NBCSP in Philadelphia. For New York, no live TV and no stream. What?
1: Yeah, why? Like,
2: why? That's then. That's all the questions here. Like MSG, what are you doing? Like, just what's the point? Why do you have, you can't, there's a, there's a clearly a feed here. It's not an idea if there aren't cameras. It's that you choose not to broadcast it. For what reason we're in 2019. There are so many avenues for you. Even if you just made this only available online, like they did when the games was at the, at the Northwell Northwell health Ice ice center. Yeah. Just put it only online. That's fine. And only to even season ticket holders if you want.
1: That'd be really crappy. But you know what? Who cares? Um, people it's want so, to watch this. Stream it on your website. It's not rocket science. Like you send someone there with the, it could be a one camera shoot. It's not a big, like just pan back and forth. It's not that hard. I don't, I don't get it. That Like this fan base is
2: craving for more content. They, they want more. And this is how you build a fan base. You give them more, give them more hashtag content. I'm doing the hashtag symbol now. Just do it. And that's how you build a fan base. That's how you get more fans by just servicing the needs of the fan, of having Islanders put in their face 24 7. Do it. What's How hard is this? This couldn't have been expensive to do. No. I'm My, sure the Islanders the have the money I work to at do, it.
1: Can do it. I'm sure they can.
2: Exactly. Come on, guys. Like, this is failure. Day one. I know it's just a rookie game, but we still want to see it. We still want to watch it. It makes it really hard for us to follow this team when they can't service our needs for just this, just this. We want to see anything and everything Islanders. Just give it to us and we will consume it. We want to consume it and you're not letting us. It's ridiculous.
1: Ugh. Give me the content, please.
2: Just just give me the content right into my veins. They're open. They're porous right now. Uh, I have an art line that's still kind of there. I have this other... Oh God! I'm just thinking about it's making me all dizzy. Never mind.
1: How would you do with the IV, by the way, for uh, EOI uh, blood test update section?
2: Oh, perfectly fine. Okay, perfectly fine. I I had no problems whatsoever, even though I was fasting. Um, they 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 they, they stuck me they stuck me pretty good. There's I've got three holes in me. It's ridiculous. Um, j- just one. If there's any anesthesiologist listening, I don't know if I said that right. The work that you do is amazing. It just it. I I remember being fully coherent, and I was talking to everyone about my Russia trip, and then boom, I, I don't remember a thing. Yeah. The next thing, was... I was up. I was up speaking to my wife like some nine hours later, just not remember anything.
1: Yeah, it's very weird. When I had um, my colonoscopy a few months ago, it was the same thing. Like I remember they had like the the mask I mean, I was like. I wonder when I'm going to start to feel like I'm going to go to sleep. And then the next thing I knew, I was just, I was waking up in a bed.
2: Yeah. Like, I don't remember the process of going to sleep. I just remember not remembering. it. Yeah. I just,
1: it just at one point happened, you know, you know what I mean? It is wild, um, uh, but and and as
2: seniologists, surgeons, uh, and whoever's working in the room, everything that oh my god, the work that you people do, like they kept me distracted. Like the, the one lady who was putting all, all the probes on me, just just bringing it up, like I thought was inane conversation. She's just bringing up anything. Oh, my son's in Australia. And I'm like, why is she talking to me? She's distracting me, she's just trying to keep me distracted, and she's doing a fantastic job of it because I, I'm, I'm focusing on this ridiculous chatter. Oh, just oh, I loved it. I it just Amazing experience. I feel like a truck hit me, but you know, my heart is beating on rhythm and that's all I can really ask for.
1: Right. Give it some more time, but I think you're going to be, you're going to like that you went through this procedure in a few days when you start to feel a little bit better.
2: Absolutely. 100%
1: agree. All right. So with that, Mitch, let's just get some plugs out of here before we get on, out for 108, wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe. So you get notifications whenever it gets posted and also, if you can, please leave us a review. It really helps us out a lot, and we appreciate all the love and support that you guys give us. We really do. Uh, if you are craving more Islanders content, like Mitch said earlier, you can head on to the Patreon website, patreon.com slash eyes on We are doing the summer series for a few more weeks, and then it is post-game content for you, so definitely worthwhile. You can also visit the website, EyesOnIsles.com, or if you prefer, download the app, the EyesOnIsles app. That way, you can get push notifications on your phone anytime something is posted. And on social media, keep up with us there at EyesOnIslesFS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'LearyNY. Mitch's is at TLOMitch, and you can like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/EyesOnIsles. Mitch, episode number one hundred eight in the books. Glad you're doing better, and. We continue to talk about hockey. Real hockey is back and I love it.
2: Uh, thank you and thanks everyone for reaching out again. It really it warms my now well-beating heart. Thank you everyone.
1: So with that, once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time.